Hey, it's America's Supermom. Thank you for joining me on my podcast. This series is the Corona Chronicles. I created this so that we would have an outlet of positivity in the midst of a lot of negativity. You know what I'm talking about. All the news, the fear around this virus, um, how it can affect us, um, what the new normal is looking like, and how so many things have changed that a lot of people feel like um, it is the end of the world, so to speak. So this podcast was created so that those of us who have hope, who are willing to move forward with this new normal and uh, innovate new things that will help us to be creative and positive, that is what this platform is for, for us to come together and share that positivity and that light with those who may need it. So if you're interested in sharing your insight, please reach out because we can never have enough positive news. So sit back and enjoy the show. I want to thank you guys for joining me today. I'm really excited about my next guest, Sajel. We actually met through a mutual friend, Oleg um, Lockheed. Uh, he has a program that uh, we call Courageous Conversations. So we meet on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. to really have some of the hard discussions about things that we may be thinking, feeling, or just mindsets that we have been a part of for years that we just begin to question and peel back the layers and look beneath the surface uh, for some really meaningful uh, perspective changes and mindset shifts. So it's really been a blessing. So I'm excited to have Sajel here today because we met through that platform and uh, excited to see what we are going to dive in today in lieu of us moving forward with this global pandemic and some of the other current events that we're facing right now, just being able to uh, look at it in a fresh perspective with a new set of eyes, so to speak. So at this time, I'm going to give Sadrill the floor to introduce herself, and then we'll get started with the interview. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lachelle. I mean, I really appreciate you inviting me to your uh, podcast today. Mm -hmm. um, so as Lachelle was saying, you know, I mean, this global pandemic has really shaken things up. So what I, um, what I do is, you know, I'm an employment law attorney and I've been practicing employment law since about 2003. And along the way, I, I primarily represented management and the, the cases that I worked on dealt with harassment, discrimination, bullying, and those types of situations in the workplace. And so what I found was that I really had a passion for training because I felt like there was that was that piece was really missing in a lot of organizations or that it wasn't being addressed and as part of a holistic solution to address issues that these employees were having. And so I did a lot of training and then um, just in November of 2017, I started up my own company called Train Extra, which is really sort of designed, you know, I, I still do employment law consulting and I do workplace investigations too, but I really have taken a focus on training and specifically just trying to help organizations create cultures based around civility in the workplace. I love that. And so, you know, my first question is, uh, you mentioned that you are following your passion and 
you know, when it comes to training. So for many people right now, you know, we're in this space where we do have time to reflect. How was it, what were some of the signs that you uh, were privy to to see that you might not have been following your passion? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. For me, when I was litigating cases, um, I love law. You know, I, 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 when I was younger growing up, um, we, I grew up in a town in, in a suburb of Chicago and I, I always would ask why all the time. And it was to the point where I think like when I was eight or nine years old, my dad announced to my mom at, at dinner one night that he thought I was going to be a lawyer because I asked why a lot. And so it was true. And I, and I did become a lawyer because I, and I still ask why a lot, but um, I, I knew that I wasn't in, in where I needed to be yet because as a litigator, you know, here I am like representing management and, and there's, I'm supposed to be acting in their best interest. And yet if I felt that an employee had been harassed or discriminated against, I felt like I wanted to help them, you know? And so mm. it wasn't the right fit. And I found that I was more of a conflict resolution person. And as part of that, I started actually talking to people a lot about what they should have done or shouldn't have done at work or how they could have done things differently. And, and that's where I really discovered my passion that, you know, um, I'm able to take these complicated concepts, you know, that the law sets up and it's just hard for anyone to really understand really what they should be doing. Cause I think most people really are well-intentioned good people, but they get put in these situations and they just don't know how to navigate through those situations. And mm. they haven't been given the tools or the support to be able to do that. And so as I started doing that more, it just became clear that, you know, I really wanted to help um, mm. organizations because we spend so much of our day at work, you know, and the mm. last thing anybody wants is to be dealing with harassment or a situation where, you know, maybe there's different perspectives or diversity and you're just not you're not sure how to navigate through that. And so that really then impacts your ability to be your hundred percent, you know, success mm -hmm. or, or do your best work. And so I just, I, I truly believe that there's a lot that we can do to help employees and help organizations get to that place. I think it's possible. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing this work. I truly believe it's possible, but it's just that, you know, um, you need to have a kind of a holistic plan for your organization and how you're going to deal with it. And so I kind of come into, I'm just doing a piece of that plan right now is mm -hmm. really helping them with the training component. I love that. So I love the whole thing about the conflict resolution and it's like being able to step outside the situation and be able to diagnose, you know, if things could have been said differently, done differently, how you can uh, accomplish a common goal. So what are some tips that you would give people, you know, like even now, you know, you have families that they're spending a lot of time at home, you know, yeah. with each other and um, just ways that people can start being more mindful of being proactive rather than reactive when it comes to uh, conflict. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, first of all, I think that, um, you know, having worked on these cases, I really got a different lens of organizations and how they work and, and, and how they, you know, how they're basically valuing their employees. And so mm -hmm. a lot of these companies, you know, they're, they're well-intentioned. Like I said, they're, they're meeting the legal compliance requirements, right? So they're following mm -hmm. the law mm -hmm. and 
And, and they're taking a very legalistic kind of approach to the way they handle issues as they're coming into the organization, rather than taking more of a proactive approach where you have to have your employees be part of this solution to really create a difference in the culture. So for example, you know, a situation, a lot of companies, you know, they'll follow the law so strictly where, you know, the law says you can't discriminate against these categories of people and they're outlined in the law. And so if an employee then comes to HR and says, hey, I'm being bullied online, let's say, for example, they say because of my weight. Well, mm-hmm. weight isn't a protected category. So there's a whole lot of mm-hmm. other reasons why people are feeling the way they are. And a lot of times organizations are not handling those issues in a proactive way by educating mm-hmm. the employees and by empowering them to speak up, right? That's, this doesn't work. I mean, you know, when I first started training, I talked to a couple of uh, leaders and I almost got the impression that they were saying that if they brought me in there and I told their employees to speak up about issues that they were going to see more complaints and this was going to be additional work for the organization. And I said, and my response to them was, if, if you've got complaints and you don't know about them, you've got a bigger problem than me telling them what to do if there's a concern, <laughs> right? right? I mean, it, it's be proactive about it. You know, if you're afraid that there's com- concerns and you don't want them to be known, you've got something else you need to work out. I right. think the better approach is, to create an environment within your organization where people can come to you, whether it's legally actionable in court or not, and not be afraid of any kind of retaliation, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then another piece of that too is, you know, look, we're, as you said at the beginning, you know, we're facing a worldwide crisis right now. You know, we've, mm-hmm. I don't care if, if you've got an HR department, an in-house lawyer, I don't care what resources you have, you're dealing with situations that we've never dealt with before. So, um, you know, for example, there's such a huge shift towards remote work, right? Lots of these companies were saying, we can't have people working at home. And now thousands of employees that are glued to their laptops, you know, and so this is going to create a difficult, um, even more difficulty for organizations in creating those structures to keep their workplaces safe and healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of employers that I've been I've been talking to right now are are having to scramble to create new policies they've never had before. You know, COVID is I mean the laws are changing almost daily um, in different counties, different cities, and so all of this stuff you're trying to deal with. You know, and these are priorities you have to do those. But I think what gets lost is the issue of the workplace culture. I mean, you still have to mm-hmm. care about your workplace culture even if they're not physically in the office, right? So, mm-hmm. so I, tell, I, I tell employees, you know, if you're feeling, you know, there's a lot of challenges with productivity, you know, making sure that, that people still feel like they're a part of a team mm-hmm. and then also creating that sense of belonging. So it's really a tough situation um, mm-hmm. for organizations right now. So Yeah. And so yeah. now, so for people who feel like, you know, they are, um, you know, having an issue where someone is bullying them or doing some kind of discrimination, what mm-hmm. are the proper steps and channels to start, you know, uh, getting some relief in that area? Yeah. And I, I, I think what you do is this is where you have to be familiar with your complaint process that your organization has set up, you know, so mm-hmm. reviewing your policy and knowing who you should be going to if you have a concern. 
I mean, a lot of what I've been doing is unconscious bias training because I think a lot of the stuff that we're seeing mm-hmm. right now is is happening because people's biases are coming out, you know, like they've mm-hmm. never come out before because you've got COVID, you've got the civil rights movement that's going on. Mm-hmm. You've got people who are working from home dealing with, you know, trying to maintain some kind of work-life balance, you know, while you're in the house and you've got kids at home. So a lot of the stress is bringing out a lot of incivility. And, and so um, a lot of the work that I've been doing is talking about unconscious bias because these biases come out and, I think the best approach is to learn what microaggressions look like and then Mm -hmm. know what to do when that's happening, right? And so I'm encouraging people to directly deal with incivility in the workplace with the person, but do it in the right way. So giving them the skills Mm. and the tools to say direct, because, you know, again, if it's a microaggression, it's not anything intentional to harm somebody. It's it's happening Mm -hmm. because there's either ignorance or a lack of awareness, right? And so mm-hmm. oftentimes by just letting the person know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the person who is the, the recipient of the microaggression. In fact, it should be a witness or a bystander, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't want to put the burden on the on the individual who's being harassed or, or you know, is dealing with these microaggressions. We don't want to put the work on them. They're already dealing with a lot. They need to take care of themselves, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's the people that witness these things. They have to be the active person to, to be able to tell the person in the proper way, what behavior or what they said. So just really focusing in on the behavior itself. And so they're on notice and that's really what it's about is putting the person on notice, right? Once they're on notice, now they, they have to accept and change their behavior and monitor their own behavior going forward. So, you know, now if they continue to engage in that behavior, at some point it becomes intentional behavior. And now you follow your complaint process where you report it to your supervisor or you report it to HR or whoever, whoever that person is at your organization. Right. So, but I Mm -hmm. think that empowering, you know, people to be a part of it is is huge. And that's the piece that we're, I'm actually starting to see that happen a lot. So that's good. It's good that organizations are starting to come around that, you know, curve right now. That's good. Now, so, you know, my question is, um, how do we um, create a culture to where people are that bystander to hold somebody accountable? You know, we even look, and I know this is something that we've all witnessed just in the case of you know, some of this uh, police brutality is that you have witnesses and they're just not doing anything, you know? So Mm -hmm. how do we foster an environment or, you know, and I don't want to say you can't control other people, but for us who's listening, how can we be proactive in being that witness in the right way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is really our responsibility as bystanders that if we observe a microaggression or a macroaggression or any kind of incivility to Mm -hmm. another person, regardless of any protected category, I'm just saying, look, we have to get to the point where we understand that we're each unique we're human beings. And at the end of the day, we want to be treated with dignity and respect. So what I'm out there saying and, and suggesting is anything outside of that, you know, whether it's done intentionally or not, a lot of the times it's not 
intentional. It's not malicious. It's re- it really is, you know, I mean, you have to remember, we, we haven't really dealt in the workplaces, especially in California. You know, I don't know about everywhere else, but in California, we haven't seen this kind of diversity before in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a lot of it is just that diversity, having diversity is obviously what we want. And there's lots of reasons for it, including business justification for having diversity at your organization. So we want to strive to that for Mm -hmm. so many reasons. But there's the other side of it, that there are challenges that come along with having diversity. And so I think a lot of these conflicts that are happening between us as individuals, between us and coworkers, you know, regardless of where you're at, is simply because there is these challenges and people don't have the tools or the skills to be able to navigate through those situations. And so Mm -hmm. when I started looking at what organizations were doing, right, like they were spending a lot of money on their diversity and inclusion efforts. And so then when Mm -hmm. when you look at and you're like, well, why are there all these complaints still coming up if if they Mm -hmm. are? And truly, when I started looking at it, it was they they weren't spending enough money on the cognitive diversity efforts, right? So mm. giving people those soft, you know, they call it soft skills, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to minimize it because I think these are so important. But those kind of skills to be able to communicate, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like conflict resolution mm-hmm. and bystanders, how do I intervene? You know, what do I say? Because these situations are touchy-feely, right? There's emotions mm-hmm. involved. You don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, but you need to let them know that what they're saying or doing is offensive to you and you don't want to ruin the dynamics. So there's a lot going on and it's hard enough. I mean, I'm a tr- I, I deal with these areas and sometimes I'm presented with situations where I'm like, wow, I really need to think about that one. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Now, so, um, you know, definitely dealing with um, a lot of, um, you said unconscious biases you know, and things that are beneath the surface that many of us don't know. We don't know everybody's story and uh, what got them to the place where they are. What is it that you do in your regular routine that kind of helps you navigate through that type of uh, situation where you are able to um, approach things with a different set of eyes and ask different questions in order to uh, help promote change. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the first step, right. When you're, when you're dealing with these beliefs and, 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 you know, I just want to say that unconscious bias, it's normal, right. We mm-hmm. all have it. And I'm just going to call it unconscious beliefs because I think when you say the right. word bias, people take like this negative and they almost get defensive just with the word. Right. So I'll just say unconscious unconscious beliefs. Right. And these are preconceived Mm -hmm. notions that we have through our lived experiences and each one of us has lived different lives. So we look at this world through this lens. And so what ends up happening is, is a lot of times we make these spontaneous judgments when we see somebody based on usually very limited facts you know, in a very short period of time. So you make these spontaneous judgments, let's say, for example, based on the way somebody looks, mm-hmm. right? So if, 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 you know, if you look at somebody and they look a certain way, you might grab your purse, right? Or mm-hmm. you, you might get scared, you, you know? So there's all these judgments you make, but mm-hmm. because it's, 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 it's really just our weight, our brain's way of making sense of millions of pieces of information that's being thrown at it all, you know, 
through our five senses. And so mm-hmm. it's normal. So it doesn't matter how well-intentioned you are. We all have them. The point mm-hmm. is, is that if you can learn what they are or what potentially these preconceived notions are, if you, the first step is awareness. So if you could figure out and there are tools and strategies that you can use to learn about your own potential preconceived notions or unconscious beliefs, then from there you can start to challenge that bias and you can engage mm-hmm. in inclusive behaviors. You can you know, change the way that you act and behave and what you say so that you can improve the quality of your relationships in your life. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and really get and truly embrace diversity mm-hmm. and, and inclusion. So, so I think that there's, and the good news is it's totally doable. Mm-hmm. You just have to do some work. And, and that's mm-hmm. the part that, you know, and, and I think that's where as an individual, we need to do our own work and, mm-hmm. and it's an, it's an ever going, it's forever process, right? It's not like you just sit down one day, you attend one training and now all of a sudden you're clear, <laughs> you're good to go. Um, <laughs> I, I wish it was that simple, but it isn't. But the good news is it's as you start doing the work and I'm, I am personally continually doing the work and, and really challenging my own beliefs. Um, mm-hmm. But as you start to do it, what ends up happening is you, you can sense those biases happening really fast. So you get quicker mm-hmm. at recognizing it. So it gets easier as you keep doing the work. And then you can make sure that when you make a decision that might impact somebody, like for example, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm a, HR manager and I'm looking to hire employees, you know, if I know that I've got some preconceived notion against somebody because of whatever reason, it doesn't have to be just race or religion or age, mm-hmm. right? It could be anything at all. Like I learned when I started doing the work, I, I took the implicit association test, which is mm-hmm. a free online tool that anybody can take that, you know, psych- a psychologist from three or four major like Harvard, University of Washington, University of Virginia, they got together and they created this test. I don't even like calling it a test. I'd rather say it was a tool because it's not like you pass or fail and Mm -hmm. you're a good person or bad. It's just an awareness tool. So, Mm -hmm. but you take it and it's broken out into different sections like race, gender, disability, and and there's all these different, different um, sections of the test that you take. So I took it and I learned that I had a potential for bias and because um, there were these four questions that asked me, it said something, the first one was, if you have a, if you have a, a daughter, do you feel comfortable dressing your daughter in all pink? No problem. I didn't hesitate. And if you have a daughter, would you feel comfortable dressing her in all blue? No problem. Then they said, if you have a son, would you feel comfortable dressing him in all blue? No problem. And then came that last question. If you have a son, would you feel comfortable dressing him in all pink? And I paused and I had to really Mm -hmm. think about that. You know, that's a potential for bias. Mm -hmm. Right. And so but I never knew that before that, you know, before I did that. So now if I was that HR manager and a, a gentleman walks in with a pink shirt, that bias might have interfered with me making that decision to hire him. But now that I'm aware of it, I can check it at the door and say, Sejal, make your decision based on their qualifications, their education, their experience, not the color of a shirt. <laughs> right. So, so it's important to, to learn about and do the work to figure out what your biases are, because we're making decisions all the time that impact other people and impact our relationship with other people, you know, who we let into our lives and so forth. 
Yeah, this is so true. Now, so this is some good stuff. Great notes to be taken here now. Uh, <laughs> what are um, some books or, you know, some different podcasts that we can listen to to kind of, you know, somebody who's listening, this is new for them just recognizing that they might have some unconscious beliefs, but some you know, way that they can start working on that muscle, so to speak, you know, yeah. starting with some baby steps. You know, I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, so I, I couldn't tell you the best ones on, you know, unconscious bias. What I would say is that there's a, a, a great book that you can read um, that I, I, I actually just I'm like, almost, I'm not even done with it 100 percent yet. And I'm, I'm learning so much about it. It's called Thinking Fast and Slow. Mm. by Daniel Kahneman and last name is K-A-H-N-E-M-A-N mm-hmm. great book and it really just it's written in a, in a way that we can understand but it's also I, I like the approach and how it explains the science behind our biases mm. so it's really really good and then another book I'm going to recommend too is I'm, I'm actually getting it right now it's, it's amazing um, it's called Act from Choice, mm. and it is a book by an author, and I and I'm, I know him. I've actually I got the book because I went to one of his um, presentations. He's phenomenal. His name is Robert Goldman, and it's with two ends. Mm-hmm. But he is he's just an, an amazing person. But he really breaks it down there and, and just kind of explaining, you know, that how our how our brain works. And how a lot of, you know, we spent 90% of our lives and the decisions we make are habitual. We don't even think about things like when you're tying your shoes, brushing your teeth and those kind of things. You're not really thinking. It's all happening unconsciously. And so only about 10% of our decisions or things that we do, are we consciously processing it? And so he really helps people understand that and then he helps you kind of break these habits that come out of that you know that mm. help you kind of learn to be more aware of how these habit patterns get formed and so he goes into like giving you some really practical guidance on how to navigate mm. through the situation so great book um highly recommend it that sounds good i, I definitely uh will check that out and um so what uh, is the best way for the audience to get a hold of you? Sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm actually, you know, uh, happy to have you join me on LinkedIn because I, I, I also recommend it because I share a lot of really, I'm all about sharing resources. I think that mm-hmm. more information we can share with each other, especially around the topics that we've discussed today is, is great. So it's, I'm, I'm always putting like resources there. And then my website is, www.trainextra and that's T-R-A-I-N-X-T-R-A.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds and, good. And yeah, and Lachelle, I was going to say, if you want to get it, if you want me to introduce you to Robert Goldman, I'm sure he oh, would love to. I would to love me. to. Yeah. I would love to. Look, I love introductions, okay? That's great. I mean, because you just never know where they can lead. So that's exciting. Um, And so, hey, that's just a great thing for people just to witness right there is how easy it is to network. You know, so many people during this time, they're like, well, 
I don't see anybody in person and all this, but, you know, all it takes is just one person introduce, introducing you to somebody else. Yeah. So um, I appreciate that. So what are some final words that you would leave with the audience today? Yeah, I, you know, I would say, look, there is just so much going on right now for everybody. I mean, you know, we hear a lot of people saying we're all in the same boat. And the reality is we're going through a worldwide crisis together. But mm-hmm. how we're each individually in our unique journeys impacted is unique to everybody. And so, you know, really sort of making sure we're supporting each other, you know, doing what we can to help e- help each other through these times, you know, make that extra call, check in on somebody you haven't talked to, those kind of things. And, and, and just, you know, really kind of uniting people wherever you can and, and helping people learn that, you know, we're, we're just not going to tolerate racism or incivility anymore and and that we're just going to do something about it. We're not going to just be complicit and do something about it. I think this is the perfect time for us Mm -hmm. all to do, to do something, to do what's right, you know, and really Mm -hmm. break down those systems and barriers that that are holding us back. And, but we need everybody to kind of join in however you can, Mm -hmm. you know, and and move in that direction together. I love that. And, you know, I mean, that is just so, true of uh you know how I'm feeling too and it's um the people are out there that believe the same thing this is another thing because so many people are you know just they're in this fog dealing with the news and all the negativity and you know a negative outlook on where we're going and you know there's positive people out there there's people that are still have hope people that are doing positive things adding value you just have to look um, and pay attention to what's out there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it is, and there are lots of good people out there. There, there really are. I'm, I'm having just unbelievable conversations where I'm seeing people talk about these issues openly. And, mm-hmm. and, and these are real, genuine, authentic conversations that are happening about making real change. I've never seen that before. I've been in this space for a long time. Right. And I right. haven't seen these kinds of conversations. So it's happening. It's going to mm-hmm. move. The needle, the, the needle, I just posted this the other day on LinkedIn. The needle is moving. I'm witnessing it. But we just need more people to keep coming in, you know, just get more and more mm-hmm. people. Keep the. It's not a movement or anything like that, but we just need to keep going in that direction. It's not going to be easy. You know, mm-hmm. it's challenging. It's hard. We, we're we're having to dismantle things that were set up for a long time for the wrong people. Mm-hmm. We weren't all included in those voices when these right. laws were written. And now we're saying we want a piece of that. We, we don't, we want right. to be, a piece. so it's going to take some time, but I think we can do it. I really, and, and we may not see the fruits of, of that to our full extent right. of time, but I, I, I get inspired when I think about my son getting to this age and, and knowing that he's going to have it much better than we did that, yes. that you want to just keep working even harder to make that happen. So true. So true. Well, and you've great. got what you've got a lot more of them to do this for than I do. Right. 14 more, but you know, God is good. Hey, I, you know what? That's one of the things that has me shaking my head because I'm trying to figure out what does God know that I don't because <laughs> I'm like every day, woo, I made it through another day when it comes to, you know, being a parent. 
But, you know, I just give him all the glory because, like I said, I, I don't know. I'm I'm perplexed on that one. Um, but <laughs> I thank you so much, Sajo, for coming here and um, giving us some insight and words of wisdom and some hope and inspiration. You know, thank I'm you. so glad that we connected and look forward to uh, us collaborating again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I, I hope that you have a blessed week. This is a, just Monday. So we've got a whole week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you do the same also. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode. I really enjoy providing content that inspires and challenges us to be a better version of ourselves. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, please email me at info at lachelleadkins.com. You can also reach out to me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, or my YouTube channel. If there was something in this episode that resonated with you, it, it probably will resonate with someone else. So please share it. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. But those aha moments, those moments of really getting something and changing your perspective are very, very pivotal in having people um, change the trajectory of their lives. And so being able to share insightful information so that other people can grow is the easiest thing that we can do as we pay it forward. So again, I want to thank you all for listening. And if you have time, write out a review. Go to iTunes, Anchor, uh, wherever you can um, find this podcast on any of those platforms and write a review about um, what impact this episode uh, had on you, what you learned or whatever. Um, Any feedback is great because it just helps me to understand what content is really beneficial for those that are listening. So again, I want to thank you all for your support and taking the time to spend some time with me and my guests. And I wish you a wonderful day. Thanks for listening.